Right, uh, good afternoon everyone, and um, maybe somebody close that door for us, please. <coughs> Thank you. Um, I, 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 we'll just get on with it. We're running a bit late, and Gareth Stack, who is an independent producer, is going to start get us going with um, a presentation, and I think we'll take questions after his presentation, but if I've got to make space for two other speakers coming coming along. And um, may I say, apropos of the last um, uh, session, I, see, uh, I think I'm the oldest working freelance in the room. And the thing that chimed most with me was what Gerard said was photographers get to know writers, writers and writers get to know photographers. If I've learned anything as a freelance about selling <coughs> written work, was if I had a decent photographer at hand, we both prospered, but we sank individually. Anyway, enough of that. Off you go. Okay. okay. So uh, my name is Garrett Staff. Um, I'm a writer, radio producer, and podcaster. And I thought I'd just give a presentation uh, for about 20 minutes, quick as I can, uh, just to give a bit of background. So I'm just going to talk about what might be useful to you. So very little bit about what, what I do, a bit about what podcasts are, how the medium differs from other mediums, how to build an audience in podcasting, and how to make money from that audience, and where it's kind of going, and then a little bit at the end about journalists, and uh, what, how it plays to you guys specifically. So I'll go super fast. So please save any questions for, for after. Um, so I got my start in college radio. I was involved in Trinity FM. And while there, uh, I started a podcast in 2005, just as podcasting was getting going. So we ran for about a year, it quickly became a video podcast, and it was the first uh, video podcast in Ireland. At the time, it was pretty successful. We got about 15,000 downloads per episode by the end. If we kept it going, I mightn't be here, I might have a nice car and live in a nice house, but we didn't, so we let it go at the end of it. Uh, after college, I started making radio dramas. I started working at home, just doing kind of comedy stuff. So this is a show called The Invisible Tour Guide, which you can still download. It's a comedy based on location, of fake tours of Dublin locations. I started going to Dublin radio stations, little community stations near FM, Dublin City FM, getting my shows onto there. Then, then about four years ago, I heard about this scheme that the BAI run uh, called Sound and Vision, which Francesca probably mentioned in the last session, which is a way of getting some money from the TV license to produce radio or television. And it's still going. It's a great way to get funding if you want to move some of your work onto those kind of mediums. And you can apply for it independently. You don't have to be a station or anything like that. It's kind of outside the remit of this, but you should, uh, you should look into it if you're interested. So since then, I've done 14 podcasts most of which have been on the radio and then podcast or podcast while they've been on the radio. So I've been doing it kind of every day for the past five years. So and I'm also at the moment I'm a correspondent for uh, RT Lyric FM's Culture File program and I've got lots of funding applications in with different stations, most of which are getting turned down, but that's that. Anyway, <laughs> so um, podcasting is new medium. It's quite distinct, I think, from TV and radio. It's actually got much more in common with blogging and it has certain facets. Every media has its own facets. And if you understand them, you can use it the best of your ability. This is my uh, robot arm definition of what a podcast is. There's lots of definitions. I think this one is useful because it distinguishes from a lot of other things. So a podcast can be audio or video. It has to be something you can download. You have to be able to get it on your device, on your phone, on your tablet, whatever else. And it has to be more than one episode. It has to be subscribable. You have to be able to say, send me the new episode every week. The technology, I think, is less important, but all those things are vital. A podcast is not a YouTube video, and it's not streaming audio. 
and, and the distinction is quite important. Lots of times people are like, oh, we made a podcast for this, but they didn't, and they got far less listenership as a result because people access podcasts in all sorts of ways that they didn't anticipate. So the barriers to entry for podcasting are super low. Technically, it's relatively easy to do. It's very, very cheap to do. Essentially, anyone who's competent to do anything can do a podcast. It's gotten that easy. It just takes a kind of little bit of getting started. It's completely uncensored for good and for ill, which means given our libel laws, as you guys well know, you can get your neck in the noose if you want to, um, but no one's going to take your show down, say, from the iTunes store for being offensive. Podcasts are more like channels than they are like TV shows or radio shows. And the reason I say that is because every time you start one, there's no stumbling function, there's no discoverability built into the format. If you start it and you don't promote it or you don't have promotion from mainstream media or a leading podcast, it will disappear. So it's not like someone's watching TV and they're going to come across your, your program. And in, in that way, you have to build an audience in that way, promote it in that way, and network in that way. It's asynchronous. So you can make a podcast. Most of your listenership will be in the first week, no matter how big your show gets, but people may listen to your show for many years, especially if the content is evergreen. So for shows, for example, there's a very popular podcast called Hardcore History. Each episode is about a different aspect of history. Those shows keep going and going and going, and people are still listening to the first ones now, several years after it started. It's what I call a wild medium, which means once that you release a show, it's very difficult to control what happens to it. It's very difficult to restrict access to it. Digital rights management doesn't really exist in the podcast world, and it's difficult to monetize, but it's not impossible. And it's reliance on open web technologies. So what I mean by that is the underlying software that runs podcasting is all open source, and it needs network neutrality to work, basically, because it needs a lot of bandwidth. And the reason it has taken off and the reason you can get it on your phone and on your iPad and on your computer is because it has those kind of open technologies. So insofar as they're popular and unrestricted, it will continue to be successful. And it's dominated by the English, just like Ireland. So, so what, what I mean in this context is the English language. So for example, here are the top 10 podcasts in Brazil. Brazil actually has quite high podcast listenership, high technical literacy, a lot of wealthy people. And I guarantee nobody in this room has heard of any of them. Am I wrong? No. So it's... There's a barrier of language there which isn't there in blogging. You can do Google Translate on a website or a blog or whatever, and you get a reasonable idea, or even a newspaper from any country in the world. That's not going to happen anytime soon for podcasting because production gets in the way of even natural language processing. So podcasting is ghettoized into languages, which is good for us because we all speak English natively. It's also kind of dominated still by geeky interests. You know, as everyone knows, most podcasts, 80% podcasts, are about TV, movies, video games, or some you know, spin-off of that. Those are not the most popular podcasts, though, and that's a really important differentiation. They're just the most common kind. Does anyone know what this is? Uh, this is a 10,000-year clock. It's built by the Long Now Foundation, and uh, it's a kind of experiment to think about long-term stuff. And I include it because podcasts will stick around forever. It's one of those things, once you put it out there, you lose all control over it, as I mentioned, so you have to be really careful. Is this what you want to do? Because it will be available <coughs> in some form if anyone ever downloads it forever. And it's very, very cheap, basically, to get into it. That's a terrible slide, at least, right? These are silly slides, so. Uh, the final thing about podcasts is that they can be both very short and very long. People talk about the ideal length of podcast. It's absolutely nonsense. Two of the most popular podcasts in the world are 99% Invisible, which is 15 minutes long, and Hardcore History, which is up to three, four hours long. So there's no real restriction on length, which can be, you know, you can, you can get enough rope to do whatever. Growing an audience. This is the biggest thing. If you want to do a podcast, you don't want to do it just for your friends. How do you grow an audience? So there are 250,000 shows right now on iTunes, 8 million individual episodes. Many of them have never been downloaded. So the biggest problem with podcasting is developing an audience. This is the kind of numbers that the top shows are doing. Uh, these slides aren't quite stretching, but we'll work around it. So This American Life, which is a hugely popular show, they do about 2.2 million per episode on air and about a million 
online. So we're really getting into big numbers with this stuff at the moment. Uh, Serial, which many of you might have heard of, it's a big breakout hit in podcasting. The figures are hard to come by, but it's around about 3 million a month for Serial. It's kind of difficult to work out because that's again perennial content. People keep going back and listening. When you get into those numbers, we're talking serious money for advertising. Uh, but even stuff that you haven't probably heard of, like so the Twit Network is a technology podcast network that's been going for about 10 years. They, with all of their shows together, do about 5 million individual listeners per month, which is an enormous number. You're, you know, you're rivaling TV stations in, in smaller markets with that. So how do you get a podcast popular? Well, this is Paul Graham. He's the founder of Y Combinator, which is a big startup incubator in the United States. And he's talking here about companies. But what he's essentially saying is you need to do something that a small number of people really, really need or really, really love. And if you do that, then you can build on that and build a bigger audience. But there's no point in trying to be too general because that's already covered by someone else. When you get your podcast out there, you, ha you have to get it onto lots of platforms. That used to be easier. But now, because they're all on phones, which is why it's taken off so much recently, you have to go onto all these individual websites and phone apps and include your podcast manually. You have to be regular. You have to regularly update your content. And it is really very regular if you want it to be popular. This is iTunes New and Noteworthy. It's the single easiest way and actually essential basically because uh, to get popular with the podcast um, iTunes still has about 80% of the podcast audience on the phone and on the devices because uh, they built it in for a long, long time and they're associated with what podcasts are um, it's actually very simple to get listed in new and noteworthy it's not easy but it's very simple um, this is what you have to do so these are some friends of mine they have a very offensive podcast called Those Conspiracy Guys which I would not recommend it really is appallingly offensive but they did get listed for a long period of time on iTunes New and Noteworthy. Got many, many thousands of listeners and then kind of stopped doing it because they lost enthusiasm, which is very silly. But here's what you do, right? You have eight weeks to get listed from your first submission to the iTunes store. So you get a bunch of episodes ready, ready to go. You put them out already on your website. Then when they're all ready, you submit to the iTunes store and then you regularly release new episodes because its total downloads are really important. You get all your friends to review it and you get all your friends to give it a certain number of stars on iTunes. You do that, you keep putting it, and I'm talking one a day for the first eight weeks. Then you go to one a week. You will get a new and noteworthy if the art is good and the sound is good. Content really doesn't matter that much. It's a numbers game. Yeah, that's an insane amount of work, but that's what it takes. Podcast networks have started off becoming a bigger deal recently, but they've been going for a long time. Here are some why I show these. Each of these networks has multiple million listeners and advertising budgets to match. They get advertisers en masse to come and advertise on all the shows. If you can get it on a podcast network, which would be very, very difficult at this point, you're guaranteed a minimum of 30,000 listeners per first episode of your podcast. User engagement is basically Reddit at this point. Uh, it won't build you an audience, but it'll help maintain one. And shocking content, unfortunately, works quite well, uh, not to build a mainstream audience, but to initially uh, get an audience. Finally, the biggest way to get an audience in podcasting celebrity guests. Does anyone know uh, the podcast WTF with Mark Maron? So it's really, really popular. It's consistently in the top 10 podcasts because he has very, very famous people on it. And that's really as simple as that. If you can do that, if you know famous people, for example, in Ireland, as journalists, you've got friends who are famous, whatever, if you get them on your podcast, you will get listeners. So that's how you get a podcast popular. Once you get it popular, it's relatively easy to make money. Uh, well, sorry, simple, not easy. It's very difficult, uh, but it's very simple. So here's what you do. You can, the easiest way is to go, as I mentioned, through the Sound and Vision scheme with BAI, to get your show on the radio in some modified form and get money that way. That is the simplest and easiest way in Ireland and you're likely to make between two and 10,000 depending on the nature of the, the series and the station. Advertising. Advertising is a little complicated because it is US-centric. 
However, it can be done if your audience are in the US and it's an international format. So if you produce something that has a popular, a large audience in the United States, then you can become, you can get advertising from there. Advertisers don't really care about listenership. They care about how many people download your episode per, per episode rather than kind of overall, because they're only going to be getting feedback in the immediate few weeks after release. But they think, they believe that podcast advertising is about five times more effective than web advertising. So that's why you see so many ads in podcasts, because they actually work really, really well. Unfortunately, they will, <laughs> they will approach you. That's what this means. Uh, you don't really kind of need to go find them. If you have a popular podcast, they'll approach you. But they demand engagement. So that means that they don't just want an audience. They want an audience that's going to do the things you say. If you say, go to audible.com and buy this book or whatever, they want the audience to do that. So engagement's really important. And it varies quite a lot, depending on how much your audience love you. These are the kind of companies that advertise in podcasts. They're called direct sales marketers. In other words, they don't have shops interceding between them and the customers. So they really, really want people to go directly from your podcast to their product. And they're almost all US-centric, if you'll notice. So that US thing. Presumably, there are Irish companies that would be willing to advertise in podcasts. I don't know anything about that. And the advertising rates would be wildly different. In the United States worldwide, these companies can tend to do the advertising mid-roll media and Archer Avenue. Uh, again, they're large companies started by podcasters several years ago that get these big advertisers on board and then sub-sell them to individual shows. This is the reason why they're so keen on advertising on podcasts, because people really do buy stuff based on podcast recommendations. 63% of people, which is an enormous number, based on someone just going, I use Squarespace, you should use it too, or whatever. So these are the kinds of ads and the kind of, kinds of rates. 15 second, they call them pre-roll, mid-roll. A uh, 15 second ad at the start of your show garner between 20 and $30 per thousand downloads of your show. And a 60 second ad, again, between 25 and 40 per, uh, per 60 seconds in the middle of your show. But you need, and here's the kicker, at least 50,000 downloads per episode before you can get these kind of advertising deals. It's not something that builds up gradually. You either are successful and immediately solvent or you aren't. But luckily, there's almost no costs in getting involved. They want you to do native advertising which means they don't want to include an ad in your show. They want you to advertise in your show. They want you to go. And now this bit where I tell you about this great thing. So you're selling yourself, you're selling your integrity. That could be a huge issue for a journalist and for anyone really. Uh, it's something to be aware of. It's really the only kind of advertising that goes on in podcasts at the moment. There is one other thing you can do, which is affiliate marketing. So you can give a code, a promo code uh, on your website or a link on your website or promo code in the show, mention one of these services and then purchases through the service will get you these kind of figures of commission. Unfortunately, conversion rates for this stuff are much lower. So you will, theoretically, these are higher amounts, but less people will do it, so. The other thing people think often is Kickstarter. You can fund stuff with Kickstarter, I will say this. Uh, I think people in Ireland don't really get the fact that Kickstarter won't, will not build you an audience at all. Kickstarter is there to monetize an existing audience. So if you've got 20,000 people listening and, you know, 5% of those donate on a Kickstarter, you're, you're doing well. You cannot build an audience of Kickstarter unless you're selling a product. So if you invent some new gizmo, get lots of media attention, Kickstarter might work. Other than that, it will not. This guy, Roman Myers, <coughs> did very, very well with Kickstarter. Over the past three years, he made about $600,000 for his podcast network, Radiotopia. But the first time he did it, I think Colin can correct me on this, is about 40 grand. And it built up and built up and built up. And he's hugely popular. So it's, uh, it's not as easy as all that. It is possible, though. This is the other thing you can do. You can sell old episodes if your content is evergreen. Let's say you do a show about history, as in the case of Hardcore History. He sells his old episodes. These are quite high amounts, as you can see, because they're multi-hour episodes, very high quality content. People really <coughs> love it. You can listen to it for forever. Doesn't, history doesn't change. But again, you have to have an audience first. Dan Savage uses a freemium model. He gives away the micro version of his Sex Advice podcast 
for free and you can get the magnum version if you're willing to pay a uh, dollar an episode again he has a large audience it works because the freemium model a certain percentage of his audience are willing to pay for the extra probably about three to five percent Finally, you can do some consultancy. So if you have the, the skill set that you can teach people about podcasting, do corporate work, and there are people doing this in Ireland. There's, I think, three that I'm aware of, three small Irish companies that do this kind of podcast consultancy stuff where they go to companies and build podcasts. It's pretty joyless stuff, though. And if you're famous and charismatic and funny, you can do live shows. Even if you're not famous, charismatic, or funny, you can still do live shows. You just have to have an audience. People go see YouTubers all the time, even in Ireland. It's crazy. So once you have an audience, all these things are open to you, but the audience has to come first. Uh, very quickly, the future of podcasting. So we're, we're going to get into this and some contentious stuff on the panel. Say, but uh, app purchases are going through the roof. This is from 2013, so you can extrapolate. Basically, app market is enormous. How many people, just a show of hands, have bought an app on their phone or paid for some kind of content on their phone? Right, so that's like almost everybody in the room. That's insane. So right now, there's no easy way to do that for podcasts. It is coming. It's pretty much inevitable, I think. It's just a matter of people like Apple and, uh, and Google building it into the podcast apps that come with the phone. Currently, Google doesn't actually have a podcast app on Android, but they could own the market if they put one out. Uh, subscriptions, Audible has demonstrated that people are willing to subscribe, even if it means I'm subscribing just so I can pay you extra money later on. Uh, so subscriptions to pod podcast networks are becoming a thing gradually. It's just a matter of people getting used to them. This is already happening. Podcasts are bisecting into a few super big, super popular, super successful shows. Many, many shows, few, like few tens of thousands where people make some money and millions where nobody listens at all. This guy, Dave Weiner, he's the co-inventor of podcasting in 2004. His radio user on software, which is the first podcasting software, let you both create and receive a podcast. And I think this is going to become a bigger deal than people realize. The reason it hasn't already, we've only really had cheap uh, smartphones that are good enough to record audio and have enough data bandwidth <coughs> included in hand to upload it in, in the last year, really. So I think it's going to become more of a two-way medium. I think larger shows are going to be getting feedback and including it from listeners very easily in the shows. And I think there's going to be lots of kind of things that are podcast-like, where millions of people are making small pieces of daily audio stuff. That's kind of tied into life blogging. This device at the bottom, the Microsoft HoloLens, is coming out this year. There's many, many other things that are coming into this space. So people are going to be doing a lot more live streaming and stuff like that. The part about that that is related to podcasting is that there's a curatorial element where you take all that information, put it together into something more interesting, and that becomes a podcast or a vidcast. People are spending more time in their cars. Tesla just announced two days ago that they're doing a software update to make their cars autonomous, or at least partly autonomous. So people are going to be spending more time in their cars doing nothing. So and car listening is one of the big reasons podcasting has taken off, because cars in the States now come with, uh, and here too, I guess, they come with smart interfaces, not just for your phone, but actually data plans as well. Geolocation, don't have a lot of time, but location-aware podcasts are going to become more of a thing. There's two Irish companies already doing this stuff. The technology is out there, just needs to be made easier. In other words, you're walking around town, as you go to a certain place, your phone lights up and plays you a piece of entertaining content from someone that you're in, you enjoy related to that specific location. So what use is all this for journalists? So people often think of podcasts as just friends in a room chatting about something they're interested in. And it kind of did start out that way, but that does not represent what gets listened to now. What gets most listenership now are narrative journalist shows. So these are all, for example, really highly produced, beautifully edited shows created by journalists or writers, which report truthfully or less so on the world, which is really what you're all doing. That just, this is just a highly curated, beautifully produced example of it. Those are some of the most powerful and uh, popular shows in the world. 
The other thing that's really, really popular in podcasting is old media. It's basically newspapers making podcasts or radio stations releasing their shows as podcasts. And they're kind of eating the podcast market as well. So the friends chatting in the basement thing is pretty much going away in terms of listenership. Your podcast can be promotion for your work, for your micro brand or whatever, if you like. It's also something that locality is important with. People haven't done enough with this, but just as local papers have kind of gone away and become less important, there's still an interest and an appetite for local news and information about the local area. And there's still a space for people to have local podcasts, get local advertising money, which is obviously going to be higher because it's more value to the business. So that's something that you guys would be really well placed to do. Uh, it's also very international. You can do all sorts of stuff about international events because people can listen to your show from anywhere and you have total control over it. And there's really not that many very, very good international political shows and stuff like that in the podcast world yet. It's very personal. You can, you can do your reportage, go back home, do your own personal take on it and make it something much more flavoursome and interesting and bring your personality into it. And you know, more and more news media is becoming about selling the personality so you can kind of build that aspect. And it's very timely. You can release a podcast the day something happens, maybe not court reporting in Ireland, whatever, but you get the idea, you know, and you can be on the scene, get the sound, put it out there, and that can be a really fascinating, compelling thing. Finally, user-generated content is becoming a huge deal, but you guys as journalists and writers and broadcasters and all the rest of it are really well-skilled to aggregate all that stuff and make more interesting things out of it, and that's going to become a curatorial role, as with blogging. It's going to become a huge deal. Blogs kind of went away a bit, and what did they become? They became websites that took all the stuff that other people had made and talked about it. And I think podcasts will do some of that too. So I'll leave it there. Sorry for talking for so long, but I hope it was of some interest in you. Anyway.